0: And this is the Virtual Business Show. In our last episode, I shared with you 10 of the 20 things that I've learned in the 20 years I've been in business. So here is part two, where I share the next 10 things that I've learned. We're up to number 11 define your ideal client and target market. This can be a tough one, especially when you're starting out and all work is good work, as I keep saying. But you will eventually work out who you like working with. It's important to get really specific. So for me, it's professionals in medical and legal, as well as non-executive and executive directors, generally men over the age of 40, professional businessmen and solopreneurs in Australia, the US, UK, and other English as a first language countries. I said specific, right? This doesn't mean I don't work with other clients, but it gives me a good idea of who I work well with, and historically, these have been the clients who stick with me long term. I prefer not to work with women, primarily because in my experience, the women I've encountered have tended to be micromanagers, and I don't work well that way. Men are more likely in my experience to tell you what they want done and trust you to do it, certainly in the sort of work that I do. They also speak in straight lines and call a spade a spade. That works well with my personality. I'm not one for emotion or manipulation. Authenticity to me is just as important a trait as honesty and integrity. I do know many VAs who love working with women, which is great. But for me, it's never worked out because oftentimes women misinterpret my straight shooting style for rudeness. In addition, I found the women who've approached me have the attitude that they can either do the work themselves or do it better or faster. Women are very used to multitasking and doing everything themselves, so I understand it. And sometimes it can be hard for them to let go and allow themselves to be supported. Men, as a general rule, tend not to view things that way. The male clients I work with tend to be very practical, no nonsense, and value the importance of delegation and outsourcing. Not every client is for you, just like you are not for every client. It's okay to say no to clients that you don't think are a good fit, just like they will say no to you. My target market tends to be in English as a first language countries and those that are culturally aligned to me and my country. This has helped me avoid any kind of cultural misunderstandings, differences in meaning, and ethics this sort of specificity will depend on the type of work you actually do in your practice. Number 12, learn to set boundaries and that it's okay to say no otherwise clients will take advantage of you. If you have set hours, stick to them. It can be scary to say no and I've covered setting boundaries in episode 7 of the podcast so check that out in the archive. Often we feel guilty if we say no but it is imperative to learn how. I know of VAs who have lost relationships, become seriously ill or lost their businesses because they burn out. You can set a number of boundaries in your policies and contracts with clients, including when and how you'll work, hours, days of the week, how you get paid and so on. There'll be times you won't be available and you need to have clear procedures in place as to how you'll handle those times. Getting this sorted out at the outset with clients is much easier than having to go back and fix it later and they can't say, you never told me that. The easiest way for you to set boundaries is to remember you are the boss, not an employee, and you're in partnership with your clients. Remembering this aids in empowering you to say no when needed. Lucky 13. Be authentic. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't let people think you're in an office in the city, for example, if you're working from your lounge room with four kids under five. If potential clients can't trust you to be authentic, what can they trust you with? This also goes with what's on your website. I've seen VAs who have been in the industry for 12 months posting on their site that they have certifications in this or that, that they were the first in Australia or some such. And given I sit on some of those certifying boards, I know they're making it up. And that's a shame. I've seen others who will attend an online conference, then put together training programs that they sell to other VAs on the exact topics I know they attended on the conference because I took their registration. On the plus side, not many of these VAs last long in the industry, so they can't do an awful lot of damage. But you don't want to be one of them, and you sure don't want to learn from them. Don't try to be a big corporate. You're not. And that's okay. If that's your goal, that's okay too. But don't fake it till you make it. Not in this industry. When you work virtually, clients need to trust you. Trust is the foundation on which your practice, indeed the entire industry, is built. Without it, none of us will be in business for long. Don't pretend you can do something if you really can't. I've seen newbies hit the list saying things like, I've just got my first client in XYZ, but I've actually never done that. What's the best program for me to use? Or others asking the most basic questions about the functionality of a program that their site would lead you to believe they're an expert in. Also remember your tribe are referring you in the early stages based on what you tell them. If you drop the ball because you're pretending to be something you're not, that reflects on them. You can be sure they'll hear back from the client. Why did you recommend them? They weren't all that great. You'll soon find your referrals drying up. Authenticity, one of the best traits you can have as a business owner. The other two are next. Fourteen, be professional and ethical. After all, you're a business owner. Professionalism is another key to your success, not only professionalism in your dealings with clients, but also your colleagues, and especially if you're subcontracting to them. It might seem obvious, but in my 20 years, I have seen some astoundingly unprofessional behavior from colleagues. This can be as basic as, if your mobile is listed as your contact, answer it. Return calls and emails the same day. I've seen email footers stating, we'll endeavor to reply to your email within three business days. I'm sorry, but in today's instant gratification, always on business environment, where we have become used to having our needs met immediately, three days is not good enough. When I see that I go find someone else. My business motto has always been under promise and over deliver. Never ever take on a job and then drop it halfway through. This relates to subcontracting too. If you take on a subcontract job complete it in the time frame you've agreed to. If something comes up get in touch immediately to see if you can rearrange the deadline and if not don't just shrug it off as not your responsibility and drop the job in favor of what's just come in. If you don't have time because of kids or other commitments, don't take on the work. If something comes up with kids or outside commitments, the work you've committed to comes first. Unless, of course, if your child is sick. That's different. If you take on a subcontract job and then a client asks you to do something, don't ditch the subcontract job in favour of the client work. You need to manage your time to get both things done. Your client is not more important than the VA who subcontracted you. In this case, they are your client, even if they're paying you less. If you use subcontractors, pay them when you say you will. Don't chop and change things and treat them professionally as you wish to be treated. They're providing you a service and are, like you, business owners worthy of your respect, not your employees. Remember, nowadays, globalization and the interconnectedness of us all means there are a lot of people out there with a lot of different versions of ethics. Be sure yours are impeccable. Being professional also relates to being professional online. If you connect with clients or potential clients in social media spaces, watch what you're doing. I always encourage new VAs to have a business page on Facebook, for example, and not to use their personal profile as a business profile. In fact, this is now against Facebook terms of use where you can't actually promote your business or advertise for work on a personal profile. You want to separate out your personal from your business. Consider using LinkedIn for business if you don't want to set up a Facebook page. Remember on social media, you don't know how many people are actually watching you. Creepy, I know, but I've been reminded of this a few times when someone has direct messaged me and said something like, I was watching that recent discussion about XYZ and you handled that better than I would have or whatever it may be, and I had no clue they were even looking, because they didn't comment or didn't react. Some people just lurk, which is fine, but keep that in mind when you're working online. Episodes 23 and 24 cover damaging your online reputation, and you can check those out in the archive. Being professional also means treating your colleagues with respect. Just because they're colleagues doesn't mean they shouldn't be treated with the same professionalism you treat clients. In some cases, other VAs will be your clients, if you provide, say, bookkeeping services for them, social media or site hosting, for example. In some, the VA will be your subcontractor. If you're dealing with colleagues, do so respectfully. Respond to their emails and messages. Remember, in this day and age, social media messaging lets you know when someone has seen your message and ignored it. Ghosting a colleague is as unprofessional as ignoring a client and damages your reputation just as much. I'm sure you all know what ghosting is, breaking off communication and contact without any explanation or warning and ignoring the other person's attempts to communicate. It's bad enough in a relationship. It should never be done in business. In all cases, treat your VA colleagues like they are clients or as you'd like to be treated. And don't badmouth your colleagues on other networks or lists word gets around in this industry very quickly. 15. Don't take on work that you aren't qualified to do. If you're professional, authentic and ethical, this should be a no-brainer. But as I said, I've seen so many times on lists, VAs say things like, I've been approached by a client who wants me to do X, Y, Z, but I've never really done that before, so what's the best way for me to get the job done? My answer? Refer it to someone else you bring the entire industry down when you do a half-baked job on a project someone else would be more skilled at if ever i have a client contact me with a request for something i'm not qualified for i always refer them i don't just say sorry i don't do that and hang up and i can tell you i have received calls from potential clients who've told me a number of prior vAs they contacted have done just that i don't take on work if i know it's beyond my skill set resumes for example or bookkeeping Instead, I offer them solutions. In this way, I've had potential clients come back to me sometimes years later because they remembered I was the one who solved their problem for them, even if it was sending them to someone else and there was nothing in it for me. Okay, number 16, remember you're providing a service, by which I mean we're technically in a service industry. After all, our primary goal is to solve problems for clients. So you can't help the client who calls you? Send them to someone who can. Let them know about VA directories. This is where joining networks comes in handy. Even look someone up for them while you have them on the phone to give them options. As mentioned earlier, don't put in email footers that you'll respond in three days and if your mobile is your contact, answer it. At the very least, respond to calls and emails the same day. Quality service is ongoing even if there's nothing in it for you. Providing good service gives the industry as a whole a good name and clients will come back to the VA who provided them something, especially when there was nothing in it for them. 17. Be aware that things change and accept it. As Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, the only constant in life is change. The economy changes, laws around doing business change, clients change their mind, your circumstances or those of your clients change. Perceptions around getting work done change. New technology emerges. Competition comes and goes. Clients make commercial decisions to go in a different direction. They go bankrupt, retire, take up employment offers, or die. Economies crash. The value of dollars goes up and down. Their work becomes something different to what it started out as, or drops off markedly. Business ebbs and flows in a constant cycle of peaks and troughs, and you need to be ready for the lows as well as enjoying the highs. Changes everywhere. It doesn't serve you or your business to fight it. How you respond to those changes will determine your success or failure in business. Learn to roll with those punches and prepare for the lean times. Never stop marketing and never take anything, including clients, for granted. 18. Don't sweat the small stuff. I've seen so many VAs get bent out of shape online when they see an article, for example, promoting the use of offshore VAs. Instead of getting rolled up and attacking the author, refocus your marketing efforts on educating the market on what professional VAs really look like. Write blogs and articles, give talks to your local chamber or business group, which brings us back to the earlier point, be professional. If you start from there, you can't go wrong. I have a three-part series on offshore VAs that you can check out in the archive, including how to speak to clients who prefer the cheaper offshore option your focus should always be on what you offer clients and not on the lady down the street who just opened up and is offering a similar service for half the price. Taking her down isn't going to elevate you. It never has and it never will. Don't worry about things you have no control over and focus on the things you do, your marketing, your networking and your attitude. Nearly there, number 19, enjoy what you do. Remember why you got started. It could have been because of childcare needs, disability. elder care, disability or a desire for more freedom, or to be your own boss, or as a means for re-entering the workforce. But if you don't enjoy it, why do it? Life's too short to slave away at things that make you miserable. I never wanted to be a secretary. I finished high school at a time when girls could really only be hairdressers, nurses, teachers, flight attendants, or secretaries. My father refused to consider me going to university. In fact, he fired up when I went to business college when he had to buy textbooks. I went to business college to, as my mother put it, have something to fall back on. I never wanted to be a secretary, but my experience after graduating business college meant that years later, when I was faced with unemployment after maternity leave, I had skills I could utilise to actually create an income. Being able to choose who I work with, the variety of my clients and the variety of industries and countries they work in, means that whilst I still hate the idea of being a secretary, I actually love working with them. And after all, now I'm way more than their secretary and they certainly also view me as more. As a job, being a secretary can mean you're underappreciated and those of you who worked as secretaries know exactly what I mean. As a VA business owner, my clients value me, my time, my input and my partnership with them. They view me as an equal. And finally, number 20, give up the myth of work-life balance. It does not exist. When you're working for yourself, you will lose weekends and in the early stages, you'll potentially use the option of taking regular holidays. Many of us end up working six or seven days a week when we're starting out, which includes admin and networking. You need to work hard to build your practice to a point where it's working for you. As I said at the beginning, it can be a slow burn. If you can find your rhythm and really enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Strive for work-life integration instead and give up the myth of work-life balance. You'll find a whole episode on work-life integration at episode 33 in the archive. So there you have it, 20 things I've learned in 20 years. I'm sure there are a stack more and I'm sure many of you will think of other things that I've not included, but hopefully these 20 will give you the motivation you need to get started or keep going. I'm Lynne Prowse-Bishop, thanks so much for listening.